Now reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 through 25. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. So we continue our, um, is it tradition practice, beginning of the year to explore the values that we have here at Storyline. And today is um, exploring becoming like Jesus. And as I as I thought about working on the message, which is different than actual working on the message, um, I wondered if we couldn't actually spend time, all the time, sort of piecing it together um, with our own stories. And so I have a few questions that I want us to reflect around, and I'm going to give us just a few moments of silence uh, before, um, after I ask the question, so we can sort of collect our memories and stories. Um, So let's begin with this. As you look back to the beginning of your life as a Christian, uh, uh, who were the people? What were the um, uh, stories? What were the experiences? Uh, And this could be both uh, things you're uh, grateful for and proud of, or maybe there's some parts of it that drew you that you're not so proud of um, as you look back on it. But this is the first question I want us to begin with. As you look back to the beginning of your life, what drew you to the faith? Let's have a few moments of silence before we share. Okay, got the microphone. Be sure to use it, speak into it. Uh, who wants to go first? Now? Good, okay. Um, so my parents were Christians before I was born. So, you know, one thing that, brought me to God as as my parents um and then I think about you know like my community when I didn't really have a choice you know all those people those relationships you know 
kept me engaged, made it important. Mm -hmm. I was intrigued by people who come to the faith uh, uh, as an adult or I, like didn't grow up in it because I have no, it's the water I swam in. Like I don't, I don't know any, any different, right? I don't remember a, a time when I wasn't in the church three times a week. Yeah. Thanks, Jen. Others? Good. Okay. So similarly to what Jen said and what you were just saying, Ben, what I was reflecting on, I was like, I guess the moment I was, I became a Christian was, well, as we know, at least the church I grew up in, the maternity policy of the church is even worse than most of corporate America, right. which is also pretty bad. But I feel like you get like two, maybe three Sundays after, you know, childbirth to get that baby in the pews. And then you're yeah. just, shirking after that yeah. uh kind of thing there's a sort of like badge of honor well the thompson family's here with their 11 day old they made it to church uh, <laughs> we did we stopped at church on the way home from the hospital yeah yeah i am not surprised i'm frankly just only surprised that birthing in the baptistry has not really taken <laughs> off as far as i'm aware uh <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, whatever it was, you know, my second or third Sunday, uh, I'm sure of life where my parents paraded me through the pews was, I guess, the moment I became a Christian. It was my first time in the church. And I say all of that to say that I certainly don't remember it. Um, and so it was always the waters that I was swimming in as well. And so I've wrestled with that over the years in various forms of I don't really have a conversion story. I never made a positive choice to become a Christian or go to church. It was just sort of the, I never made a negative choice to leave. I just sort of stayed. <laughs> uh, and here I am. Uh, and that's the end. No. <laughs> but when I think about my childhood and the things that I came to love about the faith, the things that have me, you know, 30 odd, some years later, still, still coming. Um, I think the thing that stands out the most to me is the community around it. Um, the hard moments, the good moments, the the times that people came together, um, this idea that people can come together in a community around different things of support, of love, of care, of times of, of loss and sorrow. Um, I think that uh, over everything else is the thing that, mm. that sticks out to me. Yeah, that's wild. Yuri? Well, like most of the other people here, I was raised in church, and my mother took us every time the doors were open. But uh, when I was about 21, I moved to Dallas, and I was going to a church in North Dallas. And this was about the time the AIDS epidemic started. And I just heard hatred being spewed from the pulpit. And I thought, you know, I don't belong here. Mm. And I left, and for 25 years of my adult mm. life, I just refused to go to church. Mm. And then um, I was working at a temp agency, and they sent me to this Christian organization, and they said, now, Gary, don't go in there cursing. <laughs> and <laughs> and <laughs> did he listen no uh, <laughs> and so anyway i was surrounded by a lot of good christian people 
and I think most of the people there knew my story. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, one day, my coworker Diane uh, brought a couple of young pastors to my desk. There was an event going on there, and I wasn't part of that particular event. And uh, so she introduced me to Charles Kaiser and Ryan Porsche. And they invited me to lunch, and I went with them, and I told them my whole life story right there at lunch. (laughs) And uh, they invited me to come to church, and I've been coming ever since. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Thanks, Gary. uh, Every time I hear that story, Gary, it's such a gift. Uh, Can't imagine uh, this space without you. Grateful for you. Judy? You know, I I obviously have a pretty similar story to a lot of you, but when I'm thinking about, like, my earliest thought processes of, like, what draws me in, or if somebody had said, why do you like that, or what do you do, I think it would have been um, a couple things. I think, one, the sense of community mm-hmm. and family. Like, neither of my parents had family. They either um, had relationship with or existed period and my parents church friends were the ones we spent holidays with Mm -hmm. and went on vacations with and you know babysat and all that kind of thing so it was just a really embedded sense of family um that I think would have said well like who else would you hang out like who else are you with like these are you know that's who you're it was just very embedded and because you were together so much like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, everything. Um, it was just this continual community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I would have also said like some element of, I don't know that fear is the right word, but it might mm-hmm. be, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, like this is how you get saved is to do all these things. And, um, this group of people is right and other groups of you know, churches are wrong. And. Amen. You gotta be, <laughs> you gotta be a part of this, like this group is right. So like, I want to be in with this group and, um, and I've got to do these things. I think that would have been a part of my thought process as a kid. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Julie. Anyone else? Next question for us to ponder. <laughs> Uh, this is based on an assumption uh, that we all have uh, a favorite or some favorite stories or characteristics about Jesus. It sort of is the uh, central story characteristic. And so I'm curious um, what that is for you. Um, what is it about uh, what story um, embodiment thing about this guy named Jesus um, that is compelling to you, uh, and how is it maybe, how does it function in your life? Um, how does it operate? Um, in what ways do you keep coming back to it? Um, so this, this question makes sense. What are the fundamental, uh, stories or characteristics about Jesus, uh, that compels you? Let's have another, um, moment or two of silence, uh, and then we'll share some more.
So when we get us started. Sometimes I try not to be the first one every time, but not today. <laughs> you say not today? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, two things come to mind. I appreciate um, that Jesus was always a friend to the ones that everyone else was like, you you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, don't hang out with her or, oh, don't tax collector. Don't hang out with him. And he's like, hey. And mm-hmm. then also, like, to all the people in power, he was like, oh, yo, yo, you don't get it. <laughs> you know, like, you know, a friend to the to the friendless or the outcasts, mm-hmm. uh, the people who think they know everything. He's like, you don't know what you're doing. Thanks, so. Um, For me, it's like uh, a thing that I like to think about a lot is uh, like his humility, like his underdogness. Um, like there's this song lyric I like that says he came to lose, you know, like the opposite of what we expect. Um, so, so that, um, and also then I like to think about him as how like, he's both sent and sending mm. um, in his nature. And so those are two things I really like. Right. Thanks. Ryan. Hey buddies. Uh, my uh, favorite on some level is I think about like the, the season of my life that is storyline, um, even like a theme story of Jesus. Um comes from uh, one of the versions is Luke 5 and Jesus goes out to uh, a tax collector's booth uh, Levi or Matthew and chats with him and something happens in the conversation where where uh, he asks Matthew to follow him and then Matthew invites him Um, and the religious people hate it. They're like, what are you doing? Don't you, don't you know that you're hanging out with sinners that you're, and that you're like violating our, our customs and laws. And he says, I didn't come to hang out with people who think that they've got it together and are well. I came to folks who, um, know that they're sick and want to get better. And like just Jesus going to somebody else's party and like violating those norms. Like I'm like, ah, I want to, um, that's formed me. Like I want, I, I want to, 
receive invitations to parties. I want to go um, transgress the boundaries mm. and be a part of the lives of my neighbors, you know? Mm. So. That'd be a great tagline for the church. Storyline Christian community violating norms since <laughs> 2010, whatever. 2009, 2008. 2008. Mm, thanks, Charles. One of the central themes for me, uh, about Jesus that has been really formative in my adult life is I think similar to what you were touching on Charles um, is his willingness to receive the hospitality of others on their terms and their turf. Uh, even to come to earth and take on flesh is an act of receiving the hospitality of humanity. Um, and it's the most challenging thing for me to think about and to embody. Um, uh, but it's also uh, the most freeing knowing that God in the flesh was one who didn't have to do everything on God's terms and God's turf. Well, all creation, I suppose, is God's turf, uh, but received on other people's terms and their turf uh, what they had to offer with gratitude and grace. That's been formative for me. Anyone else? Characteristics or stories about Jesus that are central, formative for you? Um, John shared on the chat. Great. John shared on the chat, uh, that Jesus is, um, Jesus is, a, a Jesus as the good shepherd mm. and Jesus being a good shepherd is, has been formative to him. Mm. Thanks, John. As you think about becoming like Jesus, um, what are the biggest hurdles for you? Um, it's a more vulnerable question, I suppose. So obviously all are welcome, none are required. Um, what perhaps it's a consistent sort of hurdle, um, a recurring theme in your life. Um, but as you seek to become like Jesus, whatever that might mean for us, what are some of the biggest hurdles you experience? I think I get caught up a lot in the anger of um, the just the injustice and the indignation, um, you know, that Jesus approached all of that with like softness and mercy and tenderness, mm-hmm. um, even when people's hearts wouldn't change and he let them walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's I really struggle with that aspect of um you know, sometimes a sense of conflated self-righteousness, I'm sure of, uh, man. And I was just ragging on my upbringing for being like, we're right. And everybody's wrong. And maybe I'm perpetuating that at a different <laughs> level, but, um, you know, just this sense of he was calling out the Pharisees and the leaders, you know, the religious leaders and such. And I still am just like, they've got it wrong. They don't understand. Why can't they understand the way of Jesus is, is lowly and simple and, you know, all these things. And, you know, and Jesus looked on them with tenderness and 
and compassion and mercy. And I just am like, oh, I resonate with that extremely. One of the things um, I've discovered as I've explored potential route of hospital chaplaincy is like advocacy is a red flag word that um, they sort of beat out of you in chaplaincy. Um, they want you to have a clear sense of who you are and what you do, but you have to provide spiritual care for the people you don't like. Mm. Um, just as much as the ones uh, that you want to advocate for. And so uh, as I think about uh, like our work with our queer neighbors um, uh, and the potential of being in a hospital with somebody who's um, mean and ugly uh, towards our neighbors, uh, part of the work of any of the chaplaincy residencies is learning how to provide spiritual care be present for those people. Mm-hmm. Others, hurdles, struggles. Hey, Jen, good job not going first. Thanks. It was really great. I was like, don't grab it. Don't grab it. Don't grab it. Don't grab it. Just wait. <laughs> um, such a servant. <laughs> what? I said such a servant. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think one of the hurdles that I have, you know, about following Jesus is God. <laughs> <laughs> um, like when I just, you know, like I, I work for a Jewish family and the only version of God they have is the Old Testament God that I see. And that there's just, it feels like there's just so much anger and so much destruction. You know, if you're on the wrong side, um, uh, you know, like I just, I just don't get how, how, Jesus aligns like and as a product part of God. Um and yet it it seems like the witness he is is like different than like the before. Hmm. And I don't get it. Thanks, Trent. I, I think my biggest struggle to follow Jesus, you know, I think about his big commands and teachings center around love and loving other people, um, the way that he's loved us and, um, laying our lives down for the people around us. And I, I feel like, my, you know, having three kids. And a needy Boston Terrier. And, and I, I think at the end of the day, I'm, my biggest struggle is just myself. Like I don't want to love other people sometimes. Mm-hmm. I am selfish and self-absorbed and narcissistic. And I would rather not serve other people. Um, like 
deep in there. And, you know, it's, uh, sorry if that's like disturbing to you all that your pastor has parts like that in his heart, but We're yeah. disturbed by other things. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm sure things I can't even see. Uh, <laughs> please. Yeah. Uh, save me from that. <laughs> yeah. Not even top 10. Not even top 10. <laughs> Uh, I feel like that's the, that's a big rock for me. That's mm. like my whole life is going to be mm. poking at my, my selfishness and my, my hesitancy to really want to lean in and, mm. um, give myself over for the benefit of others. Mm. Thanks, Charles. Um, not unlike Charles, um, I think, the things that like are really hard for me or kind of stand in the way of becoming more like Jesus or the things that I have to like I constantly have to work on is like, uh, like resistance to dying to myself. Mm. Um, and like this desire or tendency to be pharisaical or, you know, want, like want to be right. And, um, and as I sit here this morning for the first time, I'm like, I, I can see how that relates to like, like an Enneagram one type of thing. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, that's a new thought, but yeah. yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Okay. Last question. And then some closing thoughts. Uh, why? Why do you stick with it? Um, maybe, maybe you're in a space where you're, you're not sure if you are. Um, what, what keeps you connected to this story and to this way? Um, what is it about it that sort of keeps at least some part of you in the water, so to speak? These are deep thoughts for a uh, Sunday morning in January. So you're challenging us. <laughs> I'm just like sitting here feeding my kid peanut butter sandwich and like and pondering certain existential <laughs> natures of my deconstruction and reconstruction and like, yeah, why am I here? Like, what, is, what does that really mean? That's right. This is our peanut butter sandwich theology right yes. here. <laughs> um, yeah, that's one I'll have to, to unpack a little bit more, but I, I think there's many reasons for me as I've gone through some seasons of deconstruction and then some seasons of trying to purposefully reconstruct what the foundations and mores of, of my spirituality and faith are. And, um, I think as much as anything, one of the things that that keeps me coming back um is the wrestling that i've heard uh with some of these natures of you know nobody said i'm really trying to become a worse person using my lens of christianity you know right. i'm trying to be lazier or less loving or just more isolated from my neighbors i've thought about killing some people whatever it is um it's it's the opposite uh and and when we hear expressions of regret around this faith, it's about not being um, more uh, humble, more loving, more dying to self. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that, that 
challenge towards altruistic betterment, I think, as much mm-hmm. as anything. Um, that kind of keeps me yeah. coming back. Did you have something you want to say? <laughs> the only Thanks, word Miles. is dada and uh-oh. <laughs> Sometimes back to back. Thank you, Miles. What was, can you see your question? Yeah. What um, uh, what compels you to s- stick with it? Maybe it's the question. Is that making you leave? Uh, what immediately comes to mind? I was listening to uh, this religion scholar named Reza Aslan um, a couple of weeks ago, and I just finished reading his book, his latest book. Uh, American Martyr in Persia. That was excellent. He's written a really fascinating book about Jesus too called Zealot. Um, uh, but he, in the interview, he was talking about his own kind of faith journey and he grew up Muslim and then converted to evangelical Christianity and then maybe like atheism or agnosticism. And then like he's practicing Islam on some level now again. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh huh. Okay. And, um, he, he, I think it was the, I think it's Buddha that he's quoting, which makes this great that, that I'm quoting Buddha to say why I'm staying with Jesus. <laughs> yeah. But he, he, something to the effect of if you want to dig for water and, and dig a well, you don't dig a lot of shallow, holes mm. um you dig one one deep hole and and the uh the idea being go deep in the well that you've been given or something like that like mm. the like the um my tradition my 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 access point to the water to to the source of life and truth you know my is the way of jesus and um it's a way of acknowledging that that truth and God is bigger than my tradition, and it it mm. it 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 is a it it captures some of it. And like I, I don't the the deeper the, rather than flittering about and just either not trying to dig any holes at all or or digging a bunch of shallow holes. Like I only have one life. I I want to dig deep mm. in the well that I have. And, and what I'm finding is that the deeper I dig, like even in my own religious texts and traditions, I've studied this Bible for a long, long time. Like I'm, I'm coming back and finding things that challenge me in new ways. And I mean, even if the same, even if I keep discovering, Hey, Charles, like give more of yourself over, uh, to others. Like, uh, I'm, I guess I keep coming back because I'm, I'm still, I still find it meaningful and like it feels more meaningful to keep going deeper in the tradition that I've been in, that I've inherited than to flit about or to give up on the well that I'm in. Cause I, I'm finding water, I guess, as I go. That's a really, I'm fumbling around to try to say it, but that's the, I hope y'all hear the heart yeah, of that. Yeah. Thanks, Charles. I resonate a lot with everything that's been said. I think 
I think what keeps me is that the interpretation of the systems and the rules, if you will, or the logistics um, seem to change and get bogged down in very confusing things like how should we worship? Where should we worship? Should our kids have a youth group? What should all these different things look like? All of those things seem to be very bogged down in confusion for me. But at the uh, apart from all the logistics, the story of who Jesus is and the life that he lived is so compelling hmm. that no matter how bogged down or turned off or hmm. confused I am about the logistics that surround how that gets practiced, um, the the life that Jesus lived is so compelling, it feels worth reimagining over and over again um, and not letting go of. Um, and I think it seems so silly, but I have read Pride and Prejudice many times and I love this Elizabeth Darcy quote that's I'm sure very well shared that when they say, what do you love about him? And this Mr. Darcy, she falls in love with, she says something like, I can't say anything besides I was I and he was he. Mm. And I just think about that a lot with Jesus is like, I, I don't know what to say except that he is he and and something about him is so compelling to my heart that mm. it's hard to, even when nothing makes sense about the way that that gets practiced out in my life, um, it's still so compelling. Mm. Thank you, Julie. Anyone else? Um, I didn't answer your earlier question, but like, I think getting saved, like saying the prayer was like, for sure in the top first, like one of my earliest memories. I think it might be, I think I might only have two memories older than that because I said the prayer at four. Um, and I remember that really vividly, but there's, like I said, there's only like two memories that I have that I know, maybe three that I know happened prior to that, Hmm. um, in my brain. So, uh, like later, so I've never like doubted that I did that thing. Um, but in my life, there have been times when I had to like, I doubted like, cause I couldn't remember why I did that thing hmm. or what I was thinking when I did that thing. Yeah. What were my motivations? Um, and, uh, anyhow, I think so as I've wrestled with this over time, I've just never found like a better deal. Hmm. Um, and that's not to say that I was always really looking. I, there were definitely periods in my life where. I wasn't, um, or that I would have been resistant to even thinking about other things. But even in the times when I have questioned like what I believe or, um, thought about it, I still haven't found anything that's like, that beats like Jesus. Like there's something about Jesus that is different. And early on in my life, I was I stuck with Christianity, you know, as an example, I stuck with Christianity because it was a fire insurance policy. Mm, right. And now at this point in my life, I could care less, um, about that aspect of it. I couldn't care less. Mm. Um, uh, 
So, um, so yeah. And, and in fact, uh, I've been encountering Buddhism a lot lately. And what's funny is I'm reading this book about Buddhism and, and, uh, the guy starts off quoting Christian theologians to describe like Buddha attitudes. I'm like, well, there you go. Yeah. So. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Ryan. Oh man, I wish my mom's husband Art was here for this conversation. Yesterday I was working on a birthday present for a friend that's far more work than he's worth. Mm. Um wrestling with this very question, <laughs> figuring that I, sh- I should probably Miles wonder about the questions I'm asking. Mm. And two things came to mind for me. Uh, the, the communities that have shaped me, like it's hard to, it's hard to put into words. Um, and, and, and holding also the truth of really malformed communities. Um, I mean, it's not to minimize the damage that some of the communities I've been a part of, particularly the church I grew up in. And how uh, toxic and I had to really work hard to unravel some terrible, terrible theology. But uh, thinking about particular churches in our um, adult life, those I've been fortunate to work with um, that have loved my kids well. Um, and I don't know. Uh, I can't imagine where we would be without storyline. Uh, coming from one really painful experience in church. Um, so th- there's something about like, uh, it's not, it's not obligation. It's not, um, like my life is bound up in these communities, uh, and I, and I can't walk away from it. Um, the second thing that comes to mind for me, I can't remember where I heard this or, um, I hate that I can't credit the right person. Um, but the line, the greatest evidence for water is thirst. Uh, and there's this nagging sort of thirst in my life, uh, for beauty and goodness and wholeness, uh, that I've experienced at times, that I've, that I've felt, that I've seen, that I've received, uh, and those moments are fleeting, it feels like. Um, but they're there and I can't escape, uh, the longing for those things, uh, which leads me to this, this thirst is evidence of some goodness out there. And Jesus for me is, um, the embodiment of that goodness uh, that I long for. So this whole pursuit of becoming like Jesus is one in which we never arrive, right? Uh, it's, it's always ad hoc. It's in this moment. Um, uh, Michael Frost in one of his books talks about elbow knowledge. Uh, you know, you, you grow up cooking next to your mom or grandmother and you, you sort of begin to absorb the recipes, uh, where you don't have to measure. You just know what, what they are. And he argues that's the life of faith. It is this, um, it's, it's not a, um, a getting the right knowledge. Uh, it's not, um, uh, 
getting the right answers. It is this embodiment that you try over and over and over, um, hoping that one day, um, in a little ebb and flow, uh, one day we'll find ourselves doing the very thing that we once had to think about really, really hard, but now, um, we've become like the one that we've been following, which means we have to actually try it. Uh, which means we have to give it a go with our neighbors, with one another, with the uh, um, particular corners of our world. Uh, I, don't, uh, I think Ryan, uh, as you or Sarah talked about this story of Jesus calling the disciples and like, that's kind of messed up. They left their families. Um, uh, and it's, that's, that's kind of bothered me. Like, and it's disrupted me. Uh, that, that narrative is, right? Uh, and I'm not sure what to do with the, the problem of that. Um, but I also want to continue to hold, uh, this truth that Jesus is gracious and kind and says, um, follow me and let's see where it takes us. Uh, let me pray and then we'll do, um, next steps. God, we are uh, grateful for the gift of another day. We're grateful for uh, tables to be gathered around. And um, as we pursue what it means to um, follow your son, uh, who we trust and believe is the clearest, um, fullest, um, most accurate uh, description of who you are. And so I pray for uh, patience and courage uh, and willingness to fail for all of us. That we would take the next step to do the uh, act of love or kindness or goodness or gratitude or generosity with those that we encounter. Uh, trusting that in those moments in which we embody um, fruits of your spirit, we are. Um, embodying the very presence of uh, the one we're trying to follow. Um, Pray for your peace and your presence among us. uh, And pray for your patience as well as we uh, muddle along this thing called life. Uh, We pray these things through Christ our Lord, whom we follow, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever, world without end. Amen.